It's 11 o'clock on Benche, the top stories. Chief Executive Carrie Lam leads the pushback against U.S. sanctions imposed on her and other senior officials. The country's top decision-making body begins discussing how to fill the vacuum created by the postponement of this year's LegCo election. And health authorities report 69 new COVID-19 infections, pushing the city's tally of confirmed cases over 4,000. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, says she and her officials will not be intimidated by the sanctions placed on them last night by the United States over the national security law. In a statement, she said they were discharging an honorable duty. The sanctions placed on a total of 11 SAR and mainland officials will freeze their U.S. assets and prohibit them from carrying out any kind of business in the country. Wendy Wong reports. In a statement, a government spokesman described U.S. sanctions as shameless and despicable, saying the chief executive and her officials were protecting the lives and interests of not just 7.5 million Hong Kong people, but also 1.4 billion Minglanders. He said the idea that the sanctions were a response to the national security law was a lame excuse that could hardly stand up to challenge. He also condemned the U.S. government for making public the personal information of mainland and Hong Kong officials. The spokesman said this was deplorable and amounted to state-sanctioned doxing. He said the government reserved the right to take legal action. In a Facebook post, Mrs. Lam said she would now cancel her U.S. visa. She also hinted that the U.S. may have violated human rights protections after the U.S. Treasury posted the officials' addresses, ID and passport numbers on its website. The Privacy Commissioner says he'll write to the U.S. Consulate General, the U.S. Department of the Treasury and the Federal Trade Commission to express utter disappointments over the disclosure of Hong Kong officials' personal data. He said the disclosure is obviously excessive and unnecessary and amounted to doxing. The Commissioner said even though his office has no jurisdiction outside the SAR, data protection authorities are able to advocate for practicing data ethics. Beijing's liaison office here also brushed off the U.S. sanctions, describing the move as clowning actions by unscrupulous U.S. politicians. The liaison office head Luo Huining is also on the list. Violet Wong reports. In a statement, the liaison office accused the U.S. of supporting pro-independence activists and rioters by opposing the national security law. It said Hong Kong was purely a domestic matter for China, and China would not be intimidated by the sanctions. In a separate statement, the liaison office head Luo Huining said the fact that he was on the list showed that he had done his duty. He said he had no overseas assets and there was no point in targeting him. He joked that he could send $100 US to US President Donald Trump for him to freeze. The nation's top decision-making body has started discussions on how to fill the vacuum created by the postponement of this year's Legislative Council election. The Hong Kong government pushed back the elections by a year after a recent surge in coronavirus infections locally. The official Xinhua News Agency reported that the State Council has asked a standing committee of the National People's Congress to make a decision on whether the current term of LegCo can be extended. The number of coronavirus cases in Hong Kong has edged past 4,000 after health authorities reported 69 new infections. Dr. Chuan Shukwang of the Center for Health Protection said although the figures seemed to be down from their peak, they were still high. She said there could easily be another wave of infections.
The number in the past one week seems to be slightly decreased as compared with the previous week, but the actual number is still very high. It's almost 100. So uh, still the number is still much higher than the peak of the second wave. So there's no place for complacency at the present moment. We still have to keep the social distancing measures to try to further suppress the spread. Police in Beirut have fired tear gas at demonstrators who are attempting to break through to the parliament building. Several thousand people are protesting in the Lebanese capital as anger over the government's handling of Tuesday's massive explosion mounts. The explosion has highlighted the shortcomings of Lebanon's political system. The authorities say at least 158 people are now known to have died and 21 are still missing. Lebanese author, journalist and civil rights activist Jumana Haddad explained why she was taking part. We're all fed up and that is why we are going down the streets in order to translate our anger hopefully into something concrete and clean our country from this corrupt political class after having clean the streets and our houses from all the debris and broken glass and wreckage that they have caused. RTHK, the time is now five minutes past 11. President Macron of France and the UN will co-host an international conference tomorrow designed to attract support for Lebanon. The organizers hope to secure pledges of humanitarian aid, with thousands of people now homeless. President Trump has said he stands ready to help. The head of the Arab League, Ahmed Abudgate, said he had made a similar pledge to Mr. Macron. I assured him of the full support of the Arab League and our readiness to help and support with what we can and our readiness to mobilize Arab efforts. We will assist Lebanon in all possible means. France is sending equipment and technical advisors to the Indian Ocean island of Mauritius after its Prime Minister Pravin Jugnot appealed for urgent assistance to contain a worsening oil spill there. There are fears the Japanese-owned MV Wakasio, which ran aground two weeks ago, could break up. On Friday, Mauritius declared a state of environmental emergency as aerial images showed white sand beaches and important mangrove ecosystems coated in thick, sticky oil. Sebastian Sauvage is from the environmental group EcoSud in Mauritius. We are facing here a disaster. The oil is spreading all around the coastline here. It's just a huge catastrophe. And yes, it will affect us for a long time. And we are now uh, mobilizing the, the people here. All Mauritians are willing to help. There is a huge will to help to, and to give and to take action. And this is really cool. To sports now, we start with football. The Italian giants Juventus have sacked the coach Mauricio Sarri following the team's elimination from the Champions League. The Turin side were knocked out of the competition on away goes to Lyon, despite winning the second leg 2-1 on Friday. Sarri only joined the Turin side last summer and led the club to the ninth successive Serie A title two weeks ago. As the BBC's Rob Schofield explains, the away goals win for Lyon over Juventus was only this club's second competitive game since March when the French league ended. It was a disappointing, acrimonious finish to the season. They lost out on European football with Ligue 1 decided on points per game. Rudy Garcia, such an unpopular appointment when he was brought into the club, has led them to a first Champions League quarterfinal in a decade. 
Lyon will face Manchester City in the Champions League quarterfinals, the competition now turning into a mini-tournament, which will be held in Portugal next week. City beat Real Madrid 2-1 in their second leg and 4-2 on aggregate. Their coach Pep Guardiola is targeting further progress. The important first step for us, for our confidence, for this year, for the future, we beat Real Madrid. It's, it's an incredible for us, you know. But at the end, it's last 16. We have still three games. We're going to Portugal, be together, laugh a lot, work a lot, and we will see what happens. Two more rounds of 16 fixtures will be played in the early hours tomorrow morning. Bayern Munich have home advantage and a 3-0 lead over Chelsea going into the second leg. And it's one apiece going into the return between Barcelona and Napoli. To golf, it's a highly competitive first men's major in San Francisco, the U.S. PGA Championship. China's Li Haotong leads the field at the halfway stage on eight under par. And there's a bunch of six players tied for second at six under, including defending champion Brooks Koepka. The American had treatment on a hip problem during his second round. Two of the sport's biggest names, Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy, have plenty of work ahead of them, as the BBC's Ian Carter reports. McElroy and Woods head into the third round, stuck in the chasing pack after a frustrating second day. McElroy had a wonderful spell of four birdies in a row around the turn, only to run up a triple bogey seven at the 12th. In the end, he was round in 69. At one under, he's seven behind, and Woods' putter let down the Masters champion in a 72 that leaves him one shot worse off than McElroy and eight behind the leader, Li Hao Tong. And to end the news, the top stories again. Chief Executive Carrie Lam leads to pushback against U.S. sanctions imposed on her and other senior officials. The country's top decision-making body begins discussing how to fill the vacuum created by the postponement of this year's LegCo election. And health authorities report 69 new COVID-19 infections, pushing the city's tally of confirmed cases over 4,000. The news from RTHK.
Ray Morris, the only one. Also known as、uh, Atletico, on your radio. Three. With Buffy, Saint Marie. Hey, baby, I just got back from town. Did the drive to feed? I need to turn my offer down. You say the deal's already made. Now I gotta stand and watch. And the hawks and the judges and the mob. 